Waiting for that. Oh, shit. Oh, here we go. We are live. <laughs> we are live. Episode nine. <laughs> so nine. Episode nine. Life is skate talk. Damn. We got a super special episode today because breaking new ground. Special guest, Mr. Drops or just Drops, but more on that later. So why don't we get into the <laughs> why don't we get into the intro? We love skateboarding. We love life. We thought we would talk about it and share what we have to say with the world. Life is skate talk. No pros, no sponsors, just three aging skaters and a special guest desperately clinging to their youth. All right. I wish we recorded the video too, because yeah, yeah. <laughs> just to let you know, it drops. It's only audio. <laughs> audio, audio only. Yeah. We're like gen- generation one podcast. Yeah. So quick intros. I'm Sawyer, skater, attorney, dude. All right, Jen here. <laughs> You're working in the software field and still skateboarding and getting picked on for it. Same as always. Eh? Yeah. I'm John, 38 year old teacher. I've been skating since 1996, and like we talked about last time, I'm going to keep it going. 1996 was the year that Airwalk Footwear released a skate video that featured Jeff Rowley, Andrew Reynolds, and Matt Pales amongst others but there you go reynolds and rowley and pales all on airwalk at one time that's crazy before they all went off into so reynolds went to america obviously for the longest time and now he's on vans right like this big 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 change big shakeup. and matt obviously ipath right yeah and rowley vans i guess since he's still on vans right Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yo, you remember those white and black shoes? Everyone clowned you because they looked like bowling shoes. The Airwalks, Airwalks, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hot fire. I've been telling these guys those white and black Airwalks. Yeah, that that was the hotness in in junior high for me. Dude, I'm gonna. I'm trying to track them down. I guess. I, I, I want to get back right? on those. Well, there's, there. It's like they're so. I don't know. Are they so lame? They're cool again. Is that how how it's working? I don't know. Winners is putting them on for a little bit again. Oh yeah, yeah. It's good to see, but it wasn't wasn't as as analog as one might hope. <laughs> <laughs> no, those were those were yeah. A lot of kids had them. A lot of people had them. I never skated airwalks though, or or even got them. But yeah, they were like a lot of cool kids had them. It was like the undeniable, like the A, right? In the airwalk, it was like a skater slash alternative punk rock, yeah. everything else, everything not mainstream type of shoe. It was like either that, that or Vans. right or... around the time of the Duffs, Duffs, airwalks. Yeah. Um, Etnies was popping with the Sal Barbiers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, those, that that time was before they started putting rubber underneath like the canvas. Yeah. <laughs> That's the double, double liner. That's, that's the old flex. <laughs> not, not digress. <laughs> we got drops into himself too. Right? Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> and we've got special guest drops. So welcome, welcome. Oh yes, it's a blessing to be here. Drops uh, is my alias for my dance. I'm a dancer, choreographer, producer, curator, and marketer, and former skater, but also current skater. Nice. As as it's play in life and growing freestyle is the key style so stay up <laughs> Damn. I see that there's, there's a deck in your background right or is it there's a skate in your back i think yeah like yeah, yeah. It's a yeah, so, 
It's a costume nice. deck, and it's got mad stickers. Yeah. <laughs> we should actually, you know, one of these, we should actually do a video episode or something, because, like, there's that, yeah, visual nice. dimension that's totally yeah. missing, but, like, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> this is a battle I went to in Korea. This is my oh, brother's wow. metal band. This is my company making moves. Cool. This is my homie's brother, Legend League, his company, you know, band sticker. My graffiti <laughs> brother, Scam, home base, his, his spot. You know, are, those, um, are those ventures? I'm trying to judge by the hanger. They, they are ventures. They are definitely Good eye, good eye. I used to grind Cadillacs, but I broke them all. So I switched to ventures. Independence too heavy. <laughs> so ventures are solid. So yeah, we've got an action-packed episode. So before we do all of that, why don't we start off with a would you rather? So it's my turn this week. Would you all rather skate in a hat, a toque, or beanie, I guess, or nothing at all? <laughs> all right, I'll jump in. So I have two separate answers, though. Aesthetically, it would be a beanie. Like, I, they just, they look dope. But yeah. um, I get super sweaty, and it gets really itchy and uncomfortable real fast. So I, I got to go with a, a cap, because um, just for practical reasons. But. I'm hat as well, like backwards hat. I've been doing that for ages now. And toque, I like the toque and beanie, but yeah, the sweatiness factor kind of doesn't do it for me. And I think psychologically too, when I skate with a hat, I feel like it's more safe, even though it doesn't make a <laughs> it doesn't make a difference at all. But, but a beanie is like full padding all around your head, right? Yeah, I just I don't know. It's <laughs> it's uh, and it also keeps kind of my, well now that I have longer hair, it keeps the hair out of out of my face and keeps the sweat kind of back but yeah backwards trucker hat type of thing that's uh that's my go-to but you know you know the thing part of it is also like over the top and remember that arm wrestling show was like it's a movie <laughs> Sylvester Stallone where he just takes the cat and he turns it and flips it backwards and it's the monster <laughs> oh yeah you yeah know, like, that shit that shit is is uh, the hat you can't deny you'd be like okay I'm <laughs> I'm focused. Let me flip it. Yeah, yeah. It's time, it's time to put it down. Yeah, yeah. The toque is good because it'll protect your dome slightly and you don't need to front a helmet. Open hair, if you got wild hair, is more flossing in the wind, like uh, Christian soy style. Mm. If you got the hair, you can flaunt with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do not, as you guys can see, I do not have the hair. So I couldn't grow uh -huh. it if I tried. So. There you go. There you go. Nice. Well, I keep it tuned. <laughs> it's, a, it's a literal representation of what we're talking about. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, like, you've got the beanie on right now with the hair underneath. So when you mean business, do you have to take the beanie off? So that... uh, breaking, breaking is really messy <laughs> because, like, when you go in your head and do head spins, there's special beanies that help that, but also... You got to take the risk that it's tight on your head. Some people put like elastic bands oh, inside yeah, yeah. the tube, squeeze their head. So oh, it wow. Fly off on a round and you look corny trying to pick up your hat <laughs> at the end of the round. It's, it's, there's, there's weird hat politics. And if you lose your hat and your opponent picks it up and they throw it at you, it looks whack. There's, there's mad different hat game politics and breaking. It's, right, right. Like, <laughs> it's, 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 it's different level because you got to keep it on your head while you're rolling on your head. Like, and you can't have that beanie point. You know how like uh, snapback would have that, yeah. that pin on the top. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, yeah. You can't be having that. It's got to come yeah. off. Like you got to pop that off every hat. Otherwise you're smarting the top of your head. 
Yeah, that'll kill you, dude. It's crazy. (laughs) I was going to say, I I don't think I was ever cool enough to just skate with free-flowing hair, kind of like a, I don't know, Dylan Reader or (laughs) Austin Gillette or, I don't know, Evan Smith. I'm trying to think of people with long hair. Just So the cap kind of kept it it more... Yeah. <laughs> well, for me, it, when it's warm, it's the cap, but when it's cold, it's the beanie. And then it's the sweat factor, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to go free flowing, but yeah, not cool enough for that. <laughs> flowing hair. You just need, need a fan here right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you can't you can't deny you can't deny the flavor of Christian soy. Yeah. You know, yeah. With the streaming of the back of a like a t shirt on your back pocket. Right. And your hair flowing like yeah. it, the, the waves and the flow and the style in the movement. You know, it's not if you prefer a hat or not because it sweats up your head is different. You're trying to make a different statement like his yeah. is to do is like, what's your flow and what's flowing off you? <laughs> Dude, he rips. Like my, yeah. uh, my mental image of him is him just ripping through bowls. Like that free flowing factor is like, it's the embodiment of his skating, I guess. Like it's, it's fast and he just rips up and down tranny. Right. And, and, and carves around the bowl and stuff. So I didn't really like half pipe footage. I mean, I can pr- appreciate it. So I know a lot of people will be like, oh yeah, you know, Hosoi, you know, Christ air or for me, it's yeah. It's going real fast. He hit street too though. If you uh, if you look at the the street skating in in LA at the time, he did hit street. There was like all these street ramps that the locals just went off on the beach. It's really impressive. Uh, and I, I'm I'm more of a street skater. Just to give you my sort of history, like me and Ken uh, pushed all around <laughs> Toronto. Like I'm more of a pusher, stair, ledge, um, flatland, and random shit type dude i'm not a tranny dude but i appreciate um someone who could embody flow whether it be in transition and then also in street like the 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 hat question and the hair question and the flow question it's not a street <laughs> or a vert question it's every it's everywhere it's that's yeah, yeah. true yeah <laughs> there you have it all right <laughs> would you rather that, that um, would you rather got pretty deep actually that was, that was yeah, i thought it was going to be more street, like a hat toque or nothing at all it'd be like yo but um, one word answers and then end. But it's a good transition into an informal interview with our boy Drops here. So, yeah, I mean, you kind of started getting into it already, but how did you get into skating? And then maybe uh, we could talk about how you got into breakdancing as well. Because saying last episode with Jin and John here, I think we skated Robart's Triangle. And then the time after, I think you didn't come out to skate because you were going to a breakdance competition or something. And so um, that might have even been the last time that, that we all skated together. Which then, you know, we are started talking and we like, why don't we get dropped on here and just catch up like with them? So, ago, um, yeah. So I'll, t- <laughs> I'll turn it over to you, man. Skating, breakdancing. Here we go. Um, yeah, uh, it's a it's a blessing to reconnect, and and honestly, the connection 
you know, through skating carries through, you know, what activities we live in life and grow with. And uh, you guys were a meaningful part in me growing to understand myself in style, flow, skate, riding, pushing, all that stuff is part of our journey. And, and it's, I'm grateful for sharing the paths, you know? So that, that's just to start, start off <laughs> yeah. a little, a little, little bit, um, I guess, you know, cause we haven't seen each other in, in well over a decade plus. Yeah. Um, um, what I've done, you know, I, I guess at UFT, um, we were pushing around skating Rom Gardner, doing the city hall cycle, yep. hit RBC, go to TV bank. Someone tries to steal your board, <laughs> <laughs> you know, all, all that stuff. Last definitely was, was part of the plan. Um, I, I was actually just like, I had just gotten black belt in Taekwondo and, you know, Dojo also started costing more money and I was living downtown on my own. I was like, nah, <laughs> too much money. I had, I had some flexibility at the time. And I, I met I met a girl who randomly told me the UFT breaking club suddenly was created and she could do a worm. <laughs> and, <laughs> okay. and, and, and then okay. so I went in. That sells it right there, right? Well, well then, then I went in and honestly, people were just like, I was like, how do we do this? And then no one knew, but everyone was like, just make it look cool. And then I was like, okay. And then, and that's where I started. And literally a year and a half later, LL Cool J was introducing me at Wembley Arena in London. Um, uh, yeah. So, so wow. it, it, it's, uh, and, and, and I produced some of the biggest events in urban dance in all of Canada from World of Dance to uh, major international events and now working at the biggest national charity supporting dancers transition to new careers through grants and supports. Um, uh, so, so I feel like my life has gone full circle through my passion, my interest. And a lot of that was started through skateboarding. It was, it was my obsession when I woke up since I was 11. Like I literally would just grab the board and I had two neighbors on the, the other street and we would just go sit the curb and, and just like, you know, wax it before we didn't even need to know melting it. We just took candles, you know, and, and like, yeah, yeah. you know, that, that was the day to day. You know, boards were still like maybe about close to eight inches wide. They're still big, <laughs> sloppy. <laughs> Yeah, my, my brother skated too, so he he used he used to ride old school boards, and he he told me uh, the best skater in his school could ollie a pop pop can and a half, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was still like that. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Big pop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, I remember at my prime, I could I could ollie a um, what's a garbage can, and I was proud of that, you yeah. know. So and and also it makes you see the city a different way. Yeah. It makes you see the city and the landscape as alive mm -hmm. um, an opportunity, um, whether it be like animating dance on a platform that I could see a video for, or whether I could see an angle that someone could hit a ledge, you know, it's, it's really relevant and both of them affected my perspective and, and, uh, 
you know, uh, made me who I am. And, and you know, I'm just talking right now. <laughs> yeah, we were going to ask, I think, what, what, the, what the biggest parallels are that you see between the two. But you, you, that's super interesting. Are you getting into the whole how you view your environment? And, and how you interact with it, right? Both from a from a dancer's perspective and from a skater's perspective. Are there any other parallels, seeing as you straddle both worlds, right? That uh, that you want to share? Oh man, there's so many. Um, honestly, if you if you if you take it from the, the the basic level, like what you're doing with your feet is technical to catch it, but to land with style, right? That's a skater thing, like what's, right? That's that surf, that's a little surf influence too, right? That flow is very much in the same way breaking is always approached. You need to make the move look easy. You need to make that, that, that style your own. It's like a style that you have. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I think that's, that's quintessential um, um, that, we're in a weird lane of break sport or, 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 or skate sport that's now being approached into the Olympics. And I've been invited to support policy writing for the Canadian Olympic breaking um, sort of group on the back end, which is exciting, but also it's, it's a new venture. And also there, there's conversations around what sport, what's culture, you know, right. what's style, what's competitive, what's judging, where are the points Yeah, um, that, that are huge in, in both of our communities. I guess I consider them both communities that I, I exist in. Um, one professionally and one uh, like spiritually. <laughs> 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 and uh, I guess there's such a, such a great overlap is like if if you think about it, if someone does a kickflip indie, and another one does a kickflip indie, they both land it, and a judge has to pick which one's better, right? It comes down to style, whether it's a technical aspect or not. There's a relentless need for judges to approach style and address style, and then answer to the public for their choices, which is is a really hard thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. If, in breaking, being a judge is really a, a, it's not a position that wins you a lot of fans because a <laughs> hundred people lose and one person wins. And I think um, in competitive skating, it, it must be much the same, even though I haven't participated in that because it is in a competitive realm. And then street skating is in a different realm where you can be free. You're like, like fuck riding for points, fuck all this shit. But then anyone who, you know, enters the competitive realm, you know, gets judged out of 10, they're like, game eight, fuck eight. And then, and then, you know, you got to deal with their mom emailing you. (laughs) 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 It must must be mind blowing in a lot of respects as the scene comes from culture to quote unquote sport. And I think the one thing that I'm realizing is that the infrastructure for sport, which is there for Olympic professional granting, heritage, Canadian heritage funding, training, redevelopment needs to be not only there for, you know, synchronized swimming, uh, sprinting, all those things. Uh, We just don't have the infrastructure in skateboarding and breaking yet, even though we've just been added to the Olympics. 
So we're going to have to add some professional development programs and coach training and uh, spaces for these things through Olympic funding in the next little bit. That's, that's one of the crazy things like to me about, I don't know, like we, we talked before a little bit about our sort of perceptions of the Olympics and our perceptions of skateboarding and how those things don't necessarily jive all the time. Right. But uh, one of the really cool things to think about that might come out of this is, is like you're talking about like that level of support for people who have interests that don't necessarily lie in the traditional athletic fields. Right. And, and that kind of thing, like as, as a teacher, as someone who works with, with youth regularly, you know, thinking about the level of opportunity that might be afforded people who in the past wouldn't have had access to that level of uh, support for pursuing some kind of passion, right? Like that's, that's pretty amazing. Like I, I'm not, I have no experience with that stuff. I'm not involved in it in any way. So I don't know what it really looks like, but the optimistic part of me thinks like that could be I don't know, a really cool byproduct of all this. Yeah, definitely. Um, one of the things I've learned uh, through working as a dancer and then working as a consultant for, uh, I worked for Canadian Actors Alliance um, or Canadian Equity Association <laughs> of Performing Artists, which is basically every theater dance artist in uh, Canada, in English speaking Canada. Um, you know, it, there's an active body that has a, a member based voice to vote on issues that is more unionized. And uh, I've realized skateboarding and breaking don't have those things. Right. And yeah. they're, they're being thrust into a professional realm mm -hmm. that in many ways demands those things to speak to the federal government in terms of needs. Um, and and it's, it's going to be interesting in the next, you know, three, four years before this gets instituted, uh, how that develops. And, and it's important that there's leadership in place that respects the culture, not just the yeah. uh, sport. Yeah, yeah. I think that's probably the biggest challenge all over the world, no? Um, whichever country you're in. Because over here in Japan, I think it's just roller sports. So anything with wheels, it's just combined as one. I think that's my understanding. So just by doing that, it's like a sport, right? And you're like yeah, completely yeah. disregarding all the cultures between the other roller sports and our roller sport mm -hmm. per se, right? So, yeah. What's another roller sport? Roller blading. <laughs> <laughs> roller derby. Can we, we should, is roller derby in the Olympics? Because that would be pretty sick too. It's with roller skates, right? And they, yeah, they yeah. go around. Yeah. Roller skates are coming back, no? I, they seem to be booming a little bit in the States. The there, was, there was a shop in Toronto. <laughs> it was like maybe circa 2010. So maybe 10 years ago. And it was a skate shop slash roller derby shop. I think it was called Cardinal. It was on uh, Bloor West near Duff Grove Skate Park. I've been there a few times and I think they had a small team as well. And uh, it was a husband and wife that owned it, I think. But I think they either focused more on the roller derby stuff and then phased out the skate. And I think they might have moved or something. But yeah, there was a shop. You want to get your rollerblades. That place is not there anymore. <laughs> roller skates. Roller skates. Long, I, I don't long, think they're short. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a random question that I just thought of as you were talking through drops. Um, I don't know, might be completely irrelevant. We might have to cut it off afterwards. But when we talk about style, 
And if we do go through more of like a fixed process in terms of the sport aspect of both breaking or skateboard, it, do you think that's something that will be lost over time as it's more, I guess, standardized or just... Yeah, my view of style is like it's something that individuals build up on their own over time rather than following a process, if that makes sense. I hear you 100%. What you're saying is competitions don't make style. People make style. Yeah. Original individuals make style. Like Antoine Dixon landing with his arms down, (laughs) you know, made that style himself and made a gazillion people copy that. You know, uh, there's just just people who are relentless in just doing it their way. You know, Dustin Dolan. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. hey." You know, like he's going to do his thing regardless, but he, he did it his way. And, and what's interesting is that not everyone fits in a sports lane, needs to be a competitive b-boy lane um, or, or skating lane. You know, like not everyone is. What, what's interesting is Rob Deerdick does her Deerdick. <laughs> I didn't. And I, I kind of, I, I like him. I'm not, I wasn't a diss. You know? but, but like, I was just a misspeak. Um, but, but, but honestly, like he, I, I don't know how much he competitively skated. I, I th- think he made his name more in the streets and the sneakers and then built the league. So in a, in a way, there's, there's a, a learning lesson for skaters who can do um, professional um, other levels to the craft around production. Mm-hmm. Um, right, right. Uh, that, that, that's an interesting lesson that previous generations have left for us because there was no industry before that. We literally were building it as it it took shape. And in our generation, what took shape was VHS sales, right? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. VHS sales, you you know, that went out with the DVD and the DVD sales. (laughs) (laughs) On on to the, oh! Yeah. So, so industries change quickly. It's important that um, people who move in the industry are adaptive, whether what, what those skill sets are. And, and I think style does dictate that, to get back to your point. Your style will carry through any, any other thing that you do, regardless if it's landing on your feet in a different way. I think you still land with style. Um, and I think skateboard does teach that too. Yeah, I think um, like thinking about that too, like there are two things. One, like we kind of talked about it last time a little bit, but um, like with figure skating judging, they have the two components, right? Like they have like the technical score and then the artistic score, right? So I wonder if something like that might be at play. But um, uh, the other thing that that kind of, I don't know how this relates or if it relates, but um, like I'm, I'm a baseball fan. And so I think about like, there are certain players that you love to watch. Right. And they're, they're all playing the same game. They're all playing by the same rules. Um, It's different from skateboarding that way. Right. Like it's not, you don't have the option of doing a kickflip or a heel flip. You just like, you have to get your players around the bases to win. Right. And um, so they're all doing kind of the same thing, but there are certain guys that, do it differently or like play with a little more flair or even just like throw the ball a little bit differently or whatever, swing a little bit differently. So 
it's it's interesting that way where um you know it's it's sort of an objectively scored activity but within that you still see elements of personality and individuality crop up here and there and uh i guess the one thing that kind of is different is that that doesn't factor into the score at all right so i I wonder like that that's kind of different within competitive skating or competitive breaking or something like that but well well, let me let me um differentiate competitive breaking from street breaking (laughs) yeah yeah. like there's there's a very different approach i go to a gym there's someone there i don't like doesn't like my style i battle them and then when they stop i smoke them right (laughs) like there's a very different approach like it's part of lifestyle it's part of your life quite literally you can't go anywhere that there's going to be hip hop without other people who are hip hop that have feelings about you. And sometimes you got to prove it on the floor. And if someone comes at you, you got to answer, you got to represent. And it's a bit different in skating. It's like, you could say like, Oh, I did this move. You need to do this move. Like it's a bit different than that. But if someone comes at you in the club uh, in front of mad people that you're rolling with, then you need to make them look silly because that was a bad move. Um, so so there, it's not always a competition, but it's part of lifestyle in the same way that, that street skating is culture that's a little different than competitive skating. So there is, there is this uh, differentiation that happens in breaking around um, cypher lifestyle and uh, dance um, for rep versus competitive. And to get to the second point, one of my former crewmates was very heavily working on a scoring system for years. There's also a com- uh, one being formulated at the Olympics that I don't think they've debuted yet, which is a numerical point system. Um, and again, it's, it's super contentious in our community what it, each category is like. Is it creative? Is it battle strategy? Is it execution? Like there's there's all these words being thrown around as to what the categories will be for the Olympics and what the criteria will be, but it's still very uh, not not well known. Super amateur question, but when you do battle like one-on-one, do you sort of recognize yourself like, oh, I lost this one or yeah, I got this one? (laughs) Yeah. So there's like an internal thing. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you. Know, I remember. I remember when I, uh, when we were chilling, man. I, I I was first starting learning. Yeah. Break. You know, I I was a little like sloppy, random kid trying to like figure out how to move my feet on the floor. It's awkward moving with four. Using <laughs> <laughs> two feet in a board. I'm, I'm like, how am I using four things? Yeah. You know, I'm just my sneakers, and um, you know, I, I definitely lost my fair share of battles growing up. Um, and there's a certain humility that comes with um, losing battles and accepting that you lost. And that, but the, there's also times that a lot of people like uh, step to you that that uh, you gotta you gotta hold down. And uh, a lot of times, sometimes you smoke the shit out of them. So I'm not mad. <laughs> I'm not mad at, at, at that for uh, growing in that department. I just remember the first time stepping into a cipher with a bunch of legends and just throwing myself in there and seeing what people thought about it was a scary experience. You know, it's yeah. like, it's like 
skating in front of Eric Costin and trying to do a kickflip. You know, like, is he, did I pop enough? You know, you know, did I, did yeah. I, did I hit that five zero? Was that was that? Did he even look? You know, <laughs> it's it's kind of similar but different. So that we do that sounds <laughs> that sounds like horribly intimidating to me. <laughs> <laughs> it is when you're in New York and or in places with just people who who are about like coming at you. So you have a rep. It's weird the 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 crew things and breaking is related a lot to old old gangs that you know, were reflected from New York streets that amplified and turned into you know a lot of hip hop culture um, through different revelations around the aspects that brought people together to protect their community, but through celebrating safe space in the streets by holding block party a lot of the dance started coming through um and that that's in many ways still alive in breaking and and you you think about it in surfing culture too around protecting your shores you know like no outsiders locals only you know there's 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 a such such a real connection to the way some of the like our cultures did grow separately but on different coasts. All I know about surf culture is point break. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it definitely went to Dogtown. So get to know both of that. <laughs> I think there are definitely parallels with, you know, breaking crews and skate crews. I think the skate crew thing maybe was more relevant 10, 15 years back. I mean, I think one of the things that we've noticed in skating was it's less cliquey maybe and more accepting o- overall and maybe that's just us getting older but on the you know kind of representing your crew and stuff i think the way i see it is there's a great deal of creativity that comes out of that right and so you know you you obviously want to want to make sure that that you're doing your best to to, to represent and emerge victorious i guess or, or win um but like i'm just thinking when we're at a skate spot right i guess there's a there's a, a bit of friendly competition maybe the the parallel might not be in the, you know, that we have to make sure that our crew wins over other or, you know, when someone challenges you, but more so that when you see someone do a really good trick or something on a ledge, it's like that kind of pushes you or inspires you to try something that you probably wouldn't ordinarily try. And anyways, just sharing some thoughts of what the, what that kind of is. Yeah, I, I 100% feel you and it's not always about winning and, and crews are not necessarily about all the same thing. Um, I, I just recently left my crew Supernaturals, which was from 92. Damn. I, I left this year um, due to leadership things or comments around stuff that I couldn't stand by. And, and again, we have over 52 members, or we, I, I'm not, I don't know. They have hey. <laughs> 52 <laughs> members of over eight generations of dancers. Wow. I, I, I literally flew many of those people around the world to do what we did and produced and shared that name for well over 15 years. Um, but again, it's it, as artists, we grow and also as life, we grow. It's not always about toting the party lane and, and standing up in a battle. It's sometimes standing up for what you believe in, too. Mm-hmm. And and I think skating to freestyle is an important part. Um, 
you know, you do your own style. You roll with your crew. They see what what they do, and it's it's not necessarily about winning a competition. It's like how you roll <laughs> yeah. on the long on the long term, right? We got rocking chairs to think about. It's not about <laughs> it's not about trophies all the time. That's what I like to tell all the twelve year olds who uh, ask me for a game of skate <laughs> at the skate park. <laughs> 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 had a lot of those in Europe. <laughs> the other thing I was going to ask drops was, you know, from the whole technical or quantitative aspect to the qualitative assessment, right? Like how subjective it is. We were trying to sort out what skating would look like in the Olympics. Like, are they going to follow the street league format, which I think they largely are. And then, uh, you know, just remarking that probably, I don't know if you've seen the dime competitions, but they uh, they take a very lighthearted, fun, not so serious approach to skate competitions. I guess like it's a big it's a big comment <laughs> and uh, spin on on things. So for example, it's like how how fast can you can you kickflip or like you know so you get these people barging and trying to do it as fast as they can and and, and uh, um, or like longest wall ride. How would you feel about for breakdancing if if you know, the scoring was less about a technical and, and artistic component, but Dude, maybe I, something like how many head spins can you do in 30 seconds or, or something like we were trying to be like, you know, like skating, like that would, that would it make people watch it. And it's like, obviously we're not taking ourselves seriously. Cause how do you really quantify a really good kickflip? Right. Like to your point. Yeah. You do like Antoine Dixon does a, does a, a nice switch heel down a set versus Reynolds, you know, a switch heel or, or frontside flip or whatever. Right. So but at least with the number of head spins in 30 seconds, maybe that's quantifiable. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not about how many spins, man. It's, <laughs> it's, about, it's about the style, but, but honestly, I've been thinking about a King of the road breaking for a long time. Yeah. Like how can I get like four B-boy crews on a van and doing crazy shit everywhere we go because that's sick. All our road that's trips would be insane because it always is. <laughs> like <laughs> that, that would be ideal. And, and honestly, like the scavenger hunt idea is like a, around checking stuff off. Thrasher is a genius for that. Yeah, uh, I, I don't, I don't know how I would quantitative like it. You know, we quantitative in a battle, like, but there, there's in a battle. Not every battle is like 0.1 to 10. Most battles are a judging standing there. And then one crew's on one side and you go like this. Or you go this. So usually it has to be uh, uneven. So three judges or five. Mm -hmm. if, if your producer is feeling healthy in their budget. <laughs> but, 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 but basically they, they all just have to point one way or the other. Uh, and uh, there's only a few uh, competitions that require numeric systems or real-time judging. Um, and uh, that's, that's the way the Olympics going. And it's kind of an unknown um, in terms of where my homie Renegade and Storm from Germany are going to make that judging system happen. It's, it's not quite public yet, I don't think. Right. But, but yeah, yeah, normally they just point and uh, it's less quantum mechanics. <laughs> In the cipher, you just say, you know, that guy fucked that guy up. <laughs> <laughs> so is it safe to say, like, are you, are you for breaking, becoming an Olympic sport? Or 
you think it should not remain like you know that that mainstream or maybe take it in another direction you know, i'm not i'm not mad at it um honestly in but I, I didn't give you my my you know where where i personally professionally realm yeah currently like um i went through all that professional dance work battling producing choreography theater and all that stuff and now i'm working as a marketing and communication director for dancer transition resource center which is a national charity in canada that helps dancers uh, get grants toward we give grants towards you know building other skill sets that apply to other parts of your life See. Uh, so uh, like i believe in many ways you know however professionally dancers go in their career, you know, we're going to be able to apply it. It's not a culture war. I don't believe that there's sports versus arts. I believe like we can fluidly transition in sports, in arts, and then also still be ourselves because we're just ourselves and our values are still going to be intact regardless of, you know, those, you know, platforms. They're just platforms. It's not a assault to our culture uh, it's still there I, I don't i don't agree with people who uh, i guess tell you you shouldn't because it's not hip-hop i, I right. you know if it's hip-hop to you it, and, and and if you have studied hip-hop and you still feel it's hip-hop to you then it should be respected like your choice um i you know i, I guess that it, it's been a live and active conversation for for at least 10 years in our community Mm-hmm. And, and I imagine in skateboarding also as well. It's it's the weird thing of because skateboarding actually had so many major level things like X Games to test, yeah. like it was going to the yeah. Olympics. Good point. Yeah, yeah. So so it already looked like skating was going to the Olympics and skating. People are like streeters are like yo fuck those X Games birders, you know and and you know the, it's it's. I already watched that happen in skateboarding. I don't want to be that in b-boy. Like, I don't fucking hate verters. I just don't like longboarders. <laughs> Yo, true. <laughs> Respect. <laughs> you mean wrongboarders, right? That, that's, how you, that's how you say it. It's wrongboarding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's like, honestly, like that, that sounds like a super healthy way of looking at it like because when it comes down to it really it's just it's opportunities right like like it's you know it's providing some people an opportunity to you know spend some more years doing some things that they love to do and like maybe it'll take them somewhere that they've never had the chance to be before and like the, the either professionally or just the traveling or, or whatever like to, to look at it through that lens of like you know it's it, it doesn't define who you are it's just a certain pathway that you're following and, and like see it through and see where it takes you right that's a lot healthier than most of the discussion around uh around skateboarding and the olympics or or even just like different you know skate trends or whatever but. and and what also is interesting is that it unlocks a huge amount of resources from canadian heritage um and canadian federal funding that's dedicated to olympic athletes right. training yeah facilities and 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 um the the question is i guess who advocates for that and who is in a position to animate that in community of uh, entirely 
independent community that is not associated. So, right. uh, but someone's going to get paid for that skateboard money before the next Olympics when skateboarding happens. So, the question Gotta is. Got to get on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for real. sickle it's like I, I don't know we've talked about this a little bit here and there i don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast much but like um there's a lot of lip service to community in skateboarding right but then in actual practice that kind of falls apart a lot of the time and and to think of that to think of it from that angle like having some kind of you know unifying organization or something like that that can help facilitate some of that community building so that it's not just about like your local click but it's about like having access to programs and resources that can really actually build some community programming like that that's i don't know that's a pretty nice thing yep unifying advocacy is major and uh, i'm i'm only learning to do that for b-boys in performing arts performing arts is theater dance and opera so okay. imagine trying to advocate for b-boy against <laughs> you know against people who are like this this note is not good enough <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. you have to be able to sit in rooms and speak your 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 voice um um why why it's it it needs to be recognized and and it takes it takes people who will take the time to to learn policy learn um you know issues in their community that they're hearing and then and then you know do some writing uh, make some planning and, and enact it and it may not always work um but sometimes it takes years years yeah. one of one of the campaign initiatives i did with my homie uh devin um we enacted a billboard tax in uh, toronto um billboards that gave 16 million dollars in funding to toronto arts every single year by taxing public billboards because they're taking up public space right yeah. like the billboards are up there but like in tv you watch commercials right that they get paid but you're just walking down the street no one pays you to see it so we lobbied the city to make the marketers pay you a 15 percent tax for just what walking by it and then putting it towards Toronto arts. That's sick. That's, that's, through, that's through sick. a granting program. Yeah. Um, it, it took 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> but, but there's different ways to creatively think about advocacy that are not just, you know, kick, push coast. It's, there's a lot of like, you know, there's a lot of slides that you got to do. But, but there, there's a lot of learning because I, I learned so much from skating that I could apply to breaking. And I think there's a lot in breaking that could be learned in skateboarding advocacy. Uh, but you guys, yeah, we, we got more skate parks than, than you know, mm -hmm. public studios right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, it's pretty tough, right? I mean, like, I think skaters and b-boys, like, we're part of this whole, like, outcast type of, like, we're treated as punks, we're treated as almost sub part of society. Like, it's, you're, you're not on the same level as an opera singer, to your point, right, Drops? Like, you're, you're not on the same level as a hockey player or, or a baseball player. So to get people that are not familiar with it comfortable and, mm-hmm. you know, educated on what exactly is going on, you know, the level of skill and dedication and how fun it is and, you know, what the community is about. I think you're absolutely right. That takes, that takes a lot of time, a lot of patience, lots of uh, sitting in, in meetings and trying to justify almost your existence, right? Because, yeah, it's, it's easy for people to, to view, again, skaters or b-boys and lump them in a, in a, in a similar category. Like, oh yeah, you know, these are, these are just, uh, you know, they're a bunch of, they're, you know, inner city kids or, or, you know, skate rats or punks, or whatever. They just, they just, they're doing their thing. It's like, you know, and you're trying to ask the rest of the world to take you seriously. And, and if, if there's that venue or a platform such as the Olympics that becomes available to you, why the heck not? I guess one perspective, obviously, to take that people take is, yeah, that it's really good for it. I think something we talked about before also was it's almost within the, the core community, not, not everyone, but there's all there's always this fear of like losing skateboarding or losing, you know, their share of it to to the mainstream. And then you have this, you know, it's altered forever. So there's that also to to balance or to combat as well. You know, I don't think anyone can take the community from you. They can try to disenfranchise it, but you're going to have a board and a road. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have some sneakers and a floor, no matter how you look at it. Yeah. Again, how you build community is really your relationships, not how media portrays it. Um, it's, it's, you know, breaking, breaking went through a time in the 80s. Uh, when it was pop and then it died down and then it was told oh you're corny you're still doing that you know skating went through that time too Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. went through that vert ramp time that i was speaking about and then you know those vhs tapes pop up and then every street skater was like it it inspired everything so you know putting putting uh, all this on other people's perception of what our culture is it's not really necessary because they don't know. <laughs> yeah. We we make it uh, and and live it, but also others make it and live it, and we just gotta respect that it's gonna change, it's gonna grow, and and it's definitely gonna be different with Olympics or uh, all these other lanes it can grow in. Do we have control? No, <laughs> not necessarily. <laughs> Um, but, but I'm not going to make fun of the kids that go to the Olympics because, you know, they didn't grow up in the ciphers that I grew up in. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to shame them for that. And it's another lane for, for people to make money and dance. And, and, uh, I appreciate that someone could do that. I couldn't, um, um, you know, at a younger age. Um, and, and it took a lot of fighting to even make like a bear, you know, like even even thinking about it possible here in Toronto, whether you're not running to L.A., you know how many skaters like were like, oh, I got to go L.A. or San Fran right, <laughs> in right. order to get yeah. tape. You know, it's 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 important. It's important that you can make it anywhere. And it's not really like uh, uh, Olympics don't make or break it. 
but we support people who do other things in between. Yeah. You know, there is a lot of like backlash when there's any kind of shift or progress or anything like that. Right. And, and um, there is that sense that like things are getting twisted or people don't understand it or, or whatever. But if we're, if we're getting to the place where our activities of choice are, are becoming so acceptable that they are in the Olympics, like that's a good thing. You know, like, it, like think about the amount of energy over the years, over the decades that's been devoted to trying to prove ourselves or trying to run mm-hmm. away from cops or like whatever. Like if all of that negative energy can now be directed into community building and, you know, all like progress on the board and like all of those other avenues, um, you know, like that's, that's amazing. Right. Can, like can I jump in quickly? Uh, it, it's important that we not say that the Olympics validated our legitimacy. Our legitimacy right. is inherent. The fact that they proclaim we're professional is is because we forced it to happen. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good point. It's not. It's not validating anything. It's unveiling the pre-existing. Um, legitimacy and everything else right so it's almost they're finally uh, recognizing right now (laughs) like it's yeah like oh shit like you know skating or breaking like this is there's actually something going on here like you know so they need us yes we don't need them yeah absolutely yeah is, is there's infrastructure in skateboarding and breaking to make its own platforms and and Meanwhile, the you know legitimately stable and unstable, you know skateboarding. You got boards to sell, which is a little better than breaking. Is just your performance during COVID is impossible to sell. Right. Yeah. But but uh, legitimately, you know, we have our own industries and should be respected, not as legitimized by the Olympics. The Olympics recognition is only because inherently that they had to address the 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 power of the sport and athleticism and also style and artistry right even though they won't say that yeah. <laughs> oh yeah i you know it, it actually um like in a roundabout way it kind of reminds me of um like the the nba protests and things like that like was it the the box who refused to play and like a bunch of playoff games ended up getting postponed because they were like protesting the the racial injustice in the States and things like that. Right. And um, like, to me, like that's, that's an instance of these athletes who are uh, you know, they are under contract to these owners and whoever else. Right. And, and they're repositioning that power. So rather than saying like, you know, like these guys own my contract, I need to perform no matter what's going on outside of this, whatever, um, they're, they're holding out, right? Like they're, they're saying like, no, like this is not okay. Like we're going to take a stand here and anybody who wants to go against us, like you're going to look like a fool. Right. And, and it's kind of similar in that way, I guess, like where, where you see a culture that has, like you say, like kind of forced the Olympic committee's hand, right. Saying like what we are doing is every bit as valuable as all of these other, um, endeavors and so we we deserve representation too right yeah but i have more faith in colin mckay and uh (laughs) you know uh baker 
to make decisions in line with skateboarders than like NBA CEOs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a fair point too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I like that though. I like that mindset where it's like, you know, instead of someone graciously accepting us into the, the mainstream, it's more us pushing our way in because we deserve to be there. Right. Yeah, yeah no doubt. It's, it's really hard uh, determining leadership in collective, non-organized fashion. And uh, I learned that working in a union for performing arts, that a community of dancers didn't necessarily want to be organized and controlled through policy yeah. and contract all the time, but wanted all its protections, <laughs> which is... <laughs> Yeah. And, and and I think I think we all deserve those protections regardless of whether uh the space we roll. Um and it's just hard to um to find a way to enact I guess I um yeah, I think I think there's a collective awakening around the standard safe safety, respect, standard rates. Um, you know, competitive equality, all those things are starting to unroll, but um, there's zero enforcing body in a broad variety of, of things. So it's, it's kind of just all up to if the media reports on it and if there's like collective outrage. Right. Not, not necessarily what, you know, skateboard someone comes up to you fucks with you you're just like give me a board <laughs> like i like let's let's handle this differently but um it, it's it's strange it's strange having to address process questions as a street rooted community right yeah because the like the origins are like the, the sort of the cultural heritage or the the stuff that you inherit as part of your state education or or whatever is anti all of that right like it's it's about being it's about not being controlled and not being um responsible to any kind of set of rules or obligations right but and then you have to pick who's the chair of the board of the state (laughs) directory and who's the treasurer and who's the secretariat (laughs) like How's that going to work? Yeah. Chad Muska, secretary. <laughs> Taking notes. <laughs> Those notes would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, we talked about skating last time about how, you know, if like on the path, on the evolution to becoming something more, or maybe, or maybe not, but maybe it's, it's appropriate to ask now, like, do we even think that it's going to be that way? Like, let's say, for example, we'll just take baseball, right, John, that you brought up with uh or the nba right they've got they've got the owners and they they have a players association is there ever going to be a players association or skaters association for all skaters or even for you know on the topic of b-boys or like is is that is that headed in that direction or is that even possible and if it's possible do we even want that (laughs) like i don't or maybe maybe like the for the ones of the skaters that want to be a part of that but yeah for the other ones just kind of like yeah okay well fuck it i I don't care I, i don't need to be a part of that and we'll do our own thing so well, I can share like uh, an experience of a recently thing that happened in breaking, which was 
it was interesting, right? So, so to give, give, give context, baseball teams, hockey teams, soccer teams were not necessarily produced by players. Like they're, they're definitely older heritage produced by investors who build the stadiums, right? If we're going now to skaters, skaters are not building the stadiums we skate in. Breakers are not, like I produced events that we do, but I definitely did not produce the event venues that uh, we produced in. So, so there's a different level of ownership in comparison of sport. Um, between um, older generation sports and new age sports. And it's important to recognize that. Um, and in terms of approaching it currently, it was interesting because there was like a major investment in the US by a charitable organization that represent, that realized breaking was cheaper to invest in than most sports in stadiums, but they could get monster energy and a whole host <laughs> of things yeah. in with smaller venue capacity and less cost, but then also created an interesting not-for-profit that did support athlete um, and um, community support and support community producers because what they knew they needed to do, it was called UDF. Um, it was someone who had a hedge fund but used to break um, and also had a lot of connections. And uh, he really, really, you know, actually genuinely cared about breaking community, even though he's in the banking community. Um, But he set up this not-for-profit as well as a for-profit. For-profit produced the events. Not-for-profit sort of engaged a whole host of helping the productions in the local communities happen right right? so um in a way it addressed the the problem that there wasn't enough local producers to make enough competitions happen to create a community that that was a real big challenge is because like like what am i going to put up a thousand dollars to get a venue and you know stack the bar at five dollars a ticket and people yell at me it should be two dollars and like uh, and then i gotta pay a prize and the judges like none of this is worth it right like it is a real problem of infrastructure of small potatoes producers and the that charity seeks to help elevate that in all of the u.s to create a massive uh sort of league that was sponsored by Monster, and uh, um, uh, and 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 I think it, it was very accomplished. But I think there was some negative community backlash, and and then there's a but I don't think it consolidated everyone as much as it could have. And then you have Red Bull trying to consolidate people in another group. Everyone is everyone's linking in these weird like top level groups uh, at this time around um, how the politics is being played of huge choices for the community at, at a time when you know we came from the streets and now everyone's trying to pull us to the Olympics. It's it's amazing the the amount of changes and, and the changes it could bring to a next generation. Uh, I'm not gonna, you know, guess as to how the cards fall. 
<laughs> they're gonna, yeah, they're they're they're, they're going to go a million different ways. But but it's it's interesting and and reflective as to see how breaking and skating, you know, being style and technique are are so similarly impacted. And the one thing I would say is that skateboarding had the pro model first and could make money first. <laughs> <laughs> and breaking all we got all we gotta do is dance for you. We'll dance for you. you need uh, <laughs> all the all the uh, apparel endorsements yeah. and everything, right? But, you need a pro yeah, model beanie. Apparel is <laughs> not not shit, man. Yeah. yeah. No shit. No, Ken Swift told me, I don't know, uh, Adidas turned down a whole bunch of stuff. I don't know. We've gone through the shoe thing. It's not not big enough for them to make a market. In fact, in the conversations we talked about breaking, they're like, skateboarding's bigger. Also, we're going to put Aesop Rocky on the billboard. I'm like, what does this guy have to do with skateboarding? <laughs> 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 like, it's not in your marketing flex. It's okay. Yeah. You got to do it yourself and make your community survive itself. And that's yeah. what we've done. And we support each other. It's just, it's, it's, it's surprising how the cycles of yeah. those industries impact yeah. us. Sometimes they're funny as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that kind of came to mind, like you mentioned, like the the banker who had an interest, right? Like uh, had been involved in and took an interest to establish the, the the program and everything. Like our communities, like our like have been quite big, right? Like skating got huge and and breaking got got pretty big too, right? And so one of the interesting things is that like we're entering a phase now where a lot of people who have been involved in these things are moving off into other areas, other fields. Right. And um, it's, it's interesting to me to think about, you know, what kind of possibilities are going to arise in the future as you do have, you know, like right here, like we've got, we've got people in sales, we've got a lawyer, we've got a teacher, you know, you've got bankers, you've got police officers, you've got all these different peoples from uh, all these different people who are now in different sort of communities and different positions of power or influence or whatever, who might have some connection to breaking or skating or, or whatever. So as that kind of, as those top level perceptions of what we do shift, I don't know, that that's kind of just an, an interesting aspect to the, to the situation to me, to think about how like those things are going to filter down. Right. So. Yeah. I think that's, that's a super real statement because i feel like we've been at a generational war um, yeah in in a weird way but in a respectful generational war uh how to respect our seniors while they don't necessarily leave a lot of opportunity for us to to gather and call ourselves professional because they don't understand it um, and and it's it's been a real problem for for ages, um, and I guess, and I, I think the an arts institutions and granting institutions. When I applied for hip hop to get an Ontario Arts Council grant or a Toronto Arts Council grant or a Canada, you know, they said no competition allowed, and or I would have to apply for a performance theater dance. Is the only thing eligible 
right? Imagine as a skateboarder, you had to do a performance skate piece, <laughs> right? How, how weird would that be? Like that, yeah. that, that's quite literally what you'd be applying for rather than I want to do a skate comp. We'll be cool, right? Like you'd be like, I'm doing skateboarding to Beethoven uh, and end with the symphony as I hit the gap. You're just like, you have to, you have to fit um, like a, a round hole into a square peg or yeah. vice versa. It's it, and in terms of art funding. Um, and, and as we're discussing, we're both sports arts and um, also in between culture, which respects both of those things. Um, so, so it's been a battle like learning those ropes in terms of arts community. But I think, I think we can live in, I think we're the example of what will live um, in the future between those gaps of sports, arts, culture, community uh, that happens with or without the, the senior whatever. Go <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, Sorry. I got a okay. meeting in five minutes. <laughs> oh, oh damn. <laughs> All right. I just gotta, I don't know if I can hand it over to somebody else or something, but. The meeting you mean? So you can no, stay no. with us? No, the, the <laughs> recording. <laughs> what, what, I can't come to work about? today. What are you gotta... meeting about? Meeting <laughs> about sales stuff. Sales, sales this, a lot. This is my lunch stuff. break right now, you know? lunch <laughs> break? <laughs> yeah. My lunch you, break. You're selling some lunch? What's going on? No, no, no. I'm, <laughs> I'm selling some software. <laughs> oh, that sounds soft. <laughs> I'm blessed. I uh, I miss you, brother. It's been a blessing to see you Likewise. and, and to, to reconnect. So thank I you. I mean, for... you've been so busy. It's crazy. It was so good to hear yeah. about all these things. And I mean, for me, I learned a lot. And I don't know. I couldn't keep up with all the intellectual conversations, so I didn't talk too much. <laughs> <laughs> that was some good stuff. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just literally have been doing this nonstop Zoom like professional development conferences for the last four months but also the skateboard flex brought me into uh home zone yeah, yeah. back to the asphalt so i appreciate that rather than you know being too dense zone it made me feel grounded so i appreciate the invitation brother yeah yeah it's good to see you again yeah all, all of you guys thank you thank you again yeah, thanks for coming on. And, and I'd love to, to chat again. Yeah, always welcome, man. I've been it's been great. Great to see you for sure. Uh, most appreciated. I'm just gonna say a quick uh, thank you to everybody who's who's listened through, and and thanks to Drops for joining us. And uh, sorry, sorry, I, I know Jen, you got to run, so so we'll get out of your hair. But no, no, you got it. <laughs> I always gonna be we, the, we always forget about this part, right? Because we just <laughs> think <of> ourselves. <laughs> it's yeah. the ripper. <laughs> See you next time. That's the perfect ender right there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.